0: Another edition of NBA Sound System with your friends, of course, from NBA.com, Carlin Gay, alongside Micah Adams, and we're pleased that you're joining us wherever you are, however you are doing so. Micah, how was your weekend, good friend?
1: It was wonderful, man. I enjoyed the Toronto Raptors going into <laughs> Staples Center and putting the wallop on LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah, they absolutely put the
0: wallop on the brow and the king in their kingdom in Staples Center, and they're going to have to try and follow up and do that against Kawhi, the old friend Kawhi Leonard. Let's get to our three-point play and start with the Toronto Raptors. As you said, they went into Staples Center and got a win, but it wasn't just that win. All week they've been playing good basketball. They started off with beating the Kings. They ended with beating the King, and in the middle, they beat the Pelicans at the Smoothie King Center. So a great week for the Toronto Raptors, and Pascal Siakam looks like he belongs.
1: No, oh, he does a lot more than he belongs. Uh he he might go from MIP to MVP if he keeps us up. Look, that might be a little bit of hyperbole, but you know, when he starts to take a closer look, what he's doing, like it, it really is on an MVP level. I mean, he's he's flirting with a fifty forty ninety, which is ridiculous. He's averaging about eight boards a game. He's scoring over twenty seven. I mean, those that's right there on par with Some of the years that we've seen LeBron put up, Kevin Durant put up, Kawhi last year. I I don't know if in anyone's wildest imagination they could have foreseen uh, what Spicy P is doing so far. I don't think
0: so either. I I think Pascal Siakam. A lot of people are making noise about him. You know, maybe going back to back when it terms of MIP Most Improved Player, he won that a year ago. I'm in the camp where I believe the most improved player at this point is beneath him. Like, I don't want to disrespect the award. I think it's a great award, and it's well-deserved to whoever wins it this year. I just don't think Pascal Siakam should be in that category anymore. I think once you win it once, you should move on to bigger and better things, especially if you take that secondary leap. And those bigger and better things are making an all-star team, becoming on you know all-NBA, that sort of thing. Maybe even MVP. He's not there yet. But that should be the conversation. Move away from the MIP stuff. Talk about him being an all-star. Talk about him being an
1: all-NBA player or eventually an MVP. Well, one of the things that I, I think I, I would disagree with you a little bit on the MIP thing is I think what we're seeing right now is the, the move from good, and he's skipping to very good. He's going from a good player to a great player. That is the single hardest step to make in the NBA. And let alone to do it within one season. If you look at sort of the scoring increase from last season to this season, there's not a single player in the league that's improved as much as he is. And it's not just that he's doing it, it's how he's doing it. Uh, you know, the, the easy thing is to look at the three point shooting. Your eyes do not deceive you. <laughs> so, so far this season, just, just a couple of quick numbers just to illustrate how different he's been uh, as a shooter. Last year, he made one three pointer off the dribble the entire season. Wow! The entire year, I did not know that he's already made six of them. Last year, seventy seven assisted threes, just two unassisted so far this season. Fourteen assisted, six unassisted. Um, and last year, he made you know he he made about eighty threes. He's seventy nine of them. Almost right. all of them were were catch and shoots from the corners. Right. He made just seventeen above the break the entire season. We're not even ten games in the new year; he's already made sixteen of them. <laughs> so he's he's completely remade who he is on the offensive end as a shooter, and that's just it's unleashed everything else about his game. I I could not be more impressed. And when you look at how he's improved, I think when you when you hear that most improved buzz again, I think a lot of it a lot of it is is pointing to sort of the the amazing strides he's made. Look, I'm not denying
0: that he has improved. There's no question about that. My thing is is that. I think if he has his team at the top of the Eastern Conference and being one of the better teams in the league, and he's the best player on the team, then we're discrediting what he's truly doing. And what he's truly doing is leading a team. And in leading that team, he's the most valuable player on that team. So I I can't see why we won't put him in that conversation, and I get it. He probably has made the most leaps and whatever. If you want to have a conversation of him being in both awards, fine. But to have him in one and not the other... And, and if that other is not the MVP conversation, then I'm out
1: on it. I don't think anyone's having one and not the other. Um, but, I, I, but I do think that there's some – I think there's like, a lot of people having one rea- and like not the other. He realistically is not going to win the MVP. If he keeps this up, he sure is. He's not realistic. He, he's not going to beat out Giannis Antetokounmpo and Anthony Davis. What would Nandre. it take for he's him to beat out those guys? guys. I, he's probably going to have to average 30 a game in scoring. If this isn't enough. If he he's that. almost
0: there, 27 a game, are they gonna, nine are, rebounds. If they consistently win to this level, if
1: they finish one or two in the Eastern Conference, he's
0: not in the conversation
1: for MVP. I don't MVP. think it could be two. I think it's got to be one. Got to be one. I think it's got to be one. I don't think I don't see any way that he wins the MVP over Giannis with the year that Giannis is looking like he's having, which is just yeah, truly unlike anything we've ever seen. It really is. I-, I think if the Bucks finish ahead of the Raptors, there's a 0% chance that Siakam's going to going to going to beat Yadis. and that's that's without even getting into the guys that the Raptors just beat the other night in LA both Anthony Davis and LeBron look shouldn't like they're they on another level as no well. No question,
0: but shouldn't they cancel each other out? You got to pick one or the other.
1: They certainly could. Like yeah. we saw that with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant the last 3 years they they sort of canceled each other out. Um yeah, could. I you know we'll see my whole thing is that I don't I, I agree with you I don't think he'll win the MVP
0: but I think that we should have the conversation of him being in that mix of especially this early on in the season where everyone's playing great basketball I think there's like 30 guys out there that's averaging 30 plus or so or, or 20 plus or something crazy like that per game and
1: he's in that mix and he's playing great basketball what, one of the things that I want to see from Siakam is I know you know he he ended up having some decent numbers in that Lakers game. He really did struggle though when he was being blanketed by Anthony Davis. Sure. Now everyone struggles when they're blanketed by Anthony Davis, but this is the second time now that we've seen him. He he struggled against Giannis in Milwaukee earlier this season. I think it's gonna be a year where he's gonna put up MVP type numbers, but I do think that you know against. 26 teams. He's going to look unbelievable first team all NBA kind of guy. But when you start putting him up head to head against Anthony Davis and Giannis and those guys that he's trying to join in that conversation, Kawhi, we're going to we're going to see him again, uh, you know, and against his former teammate now. Right. I think those are the games that really illustrate the difference in Siakam being an all-star versus being a truly legitimate MVP superstar and that that I think is where the, the sort of the disparity is. And for
0: what it's worth for those of you listening out there uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Raptors have already played once this season as Micah mentioned that was probably Siakam's worst game of the year so far 16 points he fouled out in that one only had five rebounds and shot less than 40 percent from the field started off slow against Anthony Davis and the Lakers he turned that bad performance however into a Decent one finishing with 24 points. And he really showed up in that third quarter because Kyle Kuzma was on him and he was licking his fingers, barbecue chicken, all night long. Let's move on and talk about uh, another MVP candidate, whether you want to admit it or not, (laughs) Nikola Jokic. He's back. He's back, He's not maybe. back. He's he, not back. He, he, Wait a second. He, he, You know, a great week for him. Great week for him. Of course. And the Denver Nuggets. But let's talk about him specifically before we move on to the team. Two game nin- winners in uh, this past week. Drilled them in, in dramatic Nikola Jokic fashion. Didn't celebrate. Just walked back to the bench. And and it looks as though he's you know getting himself back into form and how i know that is he's taking a lot more shots than he was at the beginning of the year he's averaging a lot more shots in these last two wins for the nuggets than he had been prior and the biggest knock on jokic for him being the quote unquote mvp or or leader of a team is that he's too passive on offense he's starting to show that he can you know ask for the ball in these moments and he's one of the most clutch
1: players in the last couple of years. Yeah, so well, that that last line you said, he now has five game winners in the final 10 seconds right. since the start of last season. That's incredibly, that's the most in the NBA. Just broke a tie with Paul George. Uh, you know, in that Philly game, so he hits the game winner. On a completely broken play, that's just a—I I don't even know what Denver was trying to do. <laughs> so to to chalk that up as a Jokic carries the day again, like yeah, he came up big, but let's not let's not pretend that that was. Let's give the ball to that's fair. to Jokic and get out of the way and, and let him create something. And then the game winner he hits against Minnesota, he shot nine for twenty three in that game. And that final possession, again, kind of a hot mess. Like there, we're we're now just relying on him hitting. 20 foot follow Dirk style over Carl Anthony Towns. Like, I mean, that's fine if he's going to hit that. I don't know if I would call that no doubt about it. Let's get on the ball and get out of the way. Prior to those two games, I mean, you say is he back? Is he back because he shot uh, you know, 19 of 45 over the course of two games? I don't think there. so. He, right. You know, he's scoring just 15 points a game prior to those two games. Assists are way down, rebounds are way down. This is a guy that Played all summer at the FIBA World Cup and didn't play very well there either. He's coming off of a long postseason run. I, I think we we might just see him take 80 games to get into shape, uh, which, look, if he shows up in the playoffs and he does what he did in last year's playoffs, there's not going to be a person in that organization that cares. I don't think there's a person around
0: the NBA that's going to care if Jokic shows up and does what he did in the playoffs. Now, the, every, you bring up the FIBA World Cup performance, and everyone does that, but... I won't put the blame squarely on Jokic for that performance because a lot of that had to do with coaching and his head coach and egos. If you know anything about European basketball, you know that the coach is the – he's the emperor. He's everybody. He's the king. Everything goes through him. Players don't adapt – or the coach doesn't adapt to players. Players adapt to the coach. So whether or not Jokic could have been uh, used uh, you know, in better situations with Serbia in, that, in the uh, FIBA World Cup – we will never know. It, it happened with Giannis. He it got happened benched with Giannis in the fourth well. quarter. Yeah. So Are it doesn't matter. Me? That's just European basketball. Yeah. So I won't blame Jokic for that performance. But – at the end of the day, you have to look at the facts. You're in Denver right now as a team. No one's really talking about them, and we're, they're sitting at the top of the Western Conference. They could have easily lost those two games, and we would be having a completely different conversation about this team, but they didn't. They won those games, and they're winning close games. They're 6-1 in the clutch right now, best in the NBA, only Boston at 3-0. They haven't played as many clutch situations, are up there with them, and they're getting it done with uh, you know a, a roster that's very balanced. All of their starting five is averaging double figures. Torrey Craig, when he has started, he's the only one that doesn't score as much. He's he's in there for defensive purposes, but they've put in uh, uh, Will Barton into that start. Will the Thrill into that starting lineup, and things have changed for them. I really like Denver. I really like what they're doing, and this is with Jokic playing subpar. You know, Jamal Murray's leading his team and scoring, and he hasn't really shot the ball well to start the season. Uh, and and in the next couple of games, their next five, this is their, their next five games. They got the Atlanta Hawks at home. They got the Brooklyn Nets at home. They go on the road for one against Memphis. Then they're back home to play Houston and the Celtics. That is not a murderer's role right now when you consider the fact that probably the only team that's really going to be a challenge is Houston at home, and they're not playing any back-to-backs in that situation for the Nuggets. Are you saying the Celtics aren't going to be a problem? The Celtics are – I was going to say the Celtics are a problem if they're healthy, but they're not. That's true. Gordon Hayward is going to be missing t- – he's probably going to miss that game with the hand injury. Who knows how long he's going to be out for? And going to Denver is not easy in that altitude. You're going to have to adjust to that as well. So I, I think the Nuggets could really rule off a couple of wins here as Jokic starts to really find his feet and you know get back into
1: basketball shape. The, the schedule really breaks for them. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's something that I had to bring up um, as well. One of the things that I, I've been looking at um, with Denver is, is the play of Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. I think you know he signs a big max extension in the offseason. I think especially coming off of the— Playoff run that he had when he averaged over 21 a game, and you really started to see him consistently bring it on a night-to-night basis. That's the, the biggest knock on Jamal Murray last year was just the inconsistency. And so far, he not kinda, just last year's
0: his entire career, his entire so- career,
1: sure. Um And so far this season, he kind of just looks like the same guy. Right. I don't, you know, I don't see a player. That started the season looking to really make a stand, to take a Siakam type step, maybe not that far, but enough to say, hey, like maybe we should be having an all-star conversation about Jamal Murray. He really hasn't hasn't shown that. And so it's it's they're an incredibly confounding team because you're right, they're seven and two. They could easily be five and four, four and five, maybe even. Uh, but instead, here the schedule is about to break. Who knows? Maybe they're going to be 13 and 3 here uh, in another two weeks. Uh, but Den- Denver, just I-, I don't really quite know what to make of them yet. And I don't think we will do until they play those two games against Houston and Boston. The one thing that gives me confidence
0: that this team is what we don't realize it is yet is that they're a top five team defensively. And that normally doesn't happen with the Denver Nuggets historically. Denver Nuggets are get-it-out-and-run and, you know, run-and-gun type of style. They're top five in terms of defensive rating right now in the NBA, and that's with Jokic on the floor, who isn't known to be a, d- a top five <laughs> defender in the league by any stretch of the imagination, and they're also playing at the slowest pace in the league right now. They that are. shocked me. Yeah, slowest that pace.
1: Uh, and, you know, I actually I looked at that as well. That's, a, that's actually a continuation from last year as well. I think that the Denver, yeah. like you said, they have this reputation as being this run-and-gun, high-altitude team when they're really not at all. That's, that's not who they are. Uh, they run it through the big guy, um, and that's sort of, sort of their bread and butter. Yeah, and, and once the big guy gets
0: going, as you said, his sister down, once he gets them back up, that will start to uh, pick up their offense, so to speak. And Jamal Murray's, I know he started off shooting poorly, but he's slowly rounding back into form. He's up to 36% from three-point range in uh, over the last nine games for the Denver Nuggets. We go from one slow team to the fastest team in the NBA, Mr. Player of the Week himself, Western Conference Player of the Week, that is James Harden. Averaged 40 last week, and in my opinion, did it quietly. Incredibly
1: quiet. <laughs> like no one like talked no about it. No one even talked about it. These guys out here going 49 and 8, yeah. and you're like, What? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's insane to think that after the season he had last year, which as it's happening, and you understand, like the whole reason things started trending that way was because Chris Paul got hurt. Mm-hmm. Harden takes it upon himself. Chris Paul comes back, and Harden's like, nah, I got this, and he keeps going, right? And, you know, you, you can applaud it. I actually I actually do think he should have won the MVP. Sure. Uh, but regardless, I think you look at that season as a whole, and I think reasonably the knee-jerk reaction is that was a flash in the pan. We're not going to see that again, especially not with Russell Westbrook now in town. <laughs> and lo and behold, here he is averaging over 37 a game again, and he's not even shooting well. No. If, if you took his percentages from last season – and applied them to his attempts so far this year he'd be averaging 39.6 points per game wow so that that averaging 40 for a week is not an aberration he he could easily be Right there hovering at 40, um, which is just bewildering to think about. And may we remind you, we averaged 37 last year, 36
0: per game season before that. So he is hovering around what he's done the last two years. Do you like watching free throws? I love free throws. Everyone loves free throws, especially when they miss two
1: and you end up with free chicken wing or something. (laughs) My man right now is averaging over fifteen of them a game. Yeah, that's insane. Which would be the second most ever threatening one of those crazy Wilt numbers that you just wow. never would think would ever the top five in attempts per game read Wilt, mm-hmm. Harden this year, and then Wilt, 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 and Wilt. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wilt anytime you're in a conversation with Wilt, because he's
0: put up incredible numbers through, you know, the history of the league that's great i i I was laughing at you know some of the scoring numbers and we'll get to something later on dan tony's offense uh you know big scoring outputs this week is the anniversary for 55 points from brandon jennings as a rookie youngest player to do that yada 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 like how
1: what would shock you what would shock you if harden went off for what like like the number that i would if i showed up and you said, did you see James Harden score what last yeah. night? Like what that I wouldn't you, believe yeah,
0: you? Yeah, what makes you go, I, don't, I, I need to see this myself?
1: It, it honestly, man. I, I honestly don't even know if, if you said, like, he's, James Harden scored 101 points last night. <laughs> I don't know if I would, like, want to admit you to, a, to an asylum or not. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't think I would, right? Is he the I mean, pl- we just saw we, – we've we seen Devin Booker score 70 recently. Right. Right? Like, it, it, I would not even balk for a minute if he scores 70 or 80 right. in a game. I mean, they just hung one hundred 80? Really? 80? Hey, They hung 159 on the Wizards uh, a couple weeks ago. That was a tight defensive battle, according to them. I matter. mean, I don't know if there's a game that Russell Westbrook's not playing, especially.
0: Well, his career high is
1: 61, Right. When, that actually
0: blows my mind that he's yeah, only 61. 61, but he's hit 60 a couple times in his career. So but 61 is his career high. And if he got to 80, I think I'm I'm like okay. That's that's pretty that's pretty crazy. Just
1: the the amount of three-pointers that he shoots, I I, I I just don't I don't think I would be surprised. I don't think there's anything that so I would be surprised. So if 80 is not surprising,
0: about. what is surprising? 120? You said well, 100, the 120s were dated. You said 101 look, they're be all right
1: ridiculous. With? No, I I do I do legitimately think that like if there was anyone put on the face of this planet to hold up a card that said a 101 on it, <laughs> it's probably James Harden. So 101 I'm not is not predicting the that it's going to happen. I think 102 I would I would balk at, but 101 I'd you'd be all right. Yeah. Okay, so the over is
0: 101.5 for those of you playing at home. Uh I want to talk about Westbrook before we move on to uh to the New York Knicks. Because we'll spend some time there and uh, some time that needs to be spent with that franchise. Westbrook's playing well, and no one's really talking about it. You you could look at his three-point shooting and laugh out loud, belly laugh even, because it's bad. And it probably will remain bad for the rest of the year. But he's getting to the rim, and he's scoring at the rim at a very high rate. Uh, right now, eight feet and in, he's shooting 67%. The last, last year, he was at 58.5. The year before that, 57.4. This guy is getting to the rim and finishing. He's using the space that is being created by those rocket shooters, the threat of the rocket shooting, and finishing at the rim with authority. The free throws, I mean, yeah. What, what are you going to do with the free throws? I, I don't
1: know. I, I, if anyone points to Russell Westbrook's three-point shooting, as some sort of indication that this isn't going to work, mm. or that they're surprised, they just haven't been paying attention. Right. Uh, the, no, nothing is remotely surprising about him struggling from three, and I and I don't think Houston's surprised. I don't even think Houston necessarily even cares. No. Um, you know they've actually they've actually after a after a rough start to the season they've they've actually been somewhat competent defensively. Quietly. Defensively, yeah. with with, okay. with him and Harden well, on the floor together. They when you look at the, the numbers,
0: numbers, it's not going to say that. But when you watch, when you watch, you do see the effort being. The made. numbers do bear it out a
1: little bit. Yeah, the num the numbers do All bear right, it give out. It to me, Hit me. So if uh, in the time spent that those two have been on the floor together. Uh, Houston has a defensive rating hovering right around 102. Sure. That would be about seventh in the league. Okay. That's not bad. That isn't, that's not bad. That's I, not I, bad I, at I all. I thought it was worse than that. No, one thing I do – I'm glad that you, you, know, you mentioned he's getting to the cup at will. He is, uh, I think, single-handedly responsible for Houston playing at the fastest pace in the league. Mm-hmm. Because last season, I mean, it, it was a chore watching these guys sure. just grab a rebound, give it to James – Watch him dribble eighty times and take a take a jump shot or get fouled with four seconds left on the shot clock. Uh, Russell Westbrook has injected a new life into seemingly everyone there, and they're getting nothing from Eric Gordon either. Who <laughs> I mean, like literally nothing. One one of the stats um, about Russell Westbrook that I find intriguing is the Russell Westbrook has uh, hit PJ Tucker for ten corner threes this season. That is the most in the NBA among any combination of players. So when he's driving and he's kicking and he's finding PJ Tucker, noted quarter three marksman, mm-hmm. um, it's it's happening more often than anyone in the league, including guys like LeBron finding Danny Green and and Harden himself finding Tucker or Luca and, and their you know cadre of shooters down in Dallas. This this Russell Westbrook Drive and kick thing is, is a real problem for opponents to deal with. No question. I want to ask you one question here. It's usage wise, both of them
0: at the top of the team, no question about it 41% for James Harden, close to 30% for Russell Westbrook. Between two guys, that's a lot. That's a lot. But does that worry you at all?
1: No, I don't No, It doesn't. Because I think, you know, when we saw when Daryl Morey acquired Chris Paul. Uh, in the off season prior to the 16-17 season. Right. right, Or 17-18 season. There were all these questions about whether two ball-dominant guys could ever work well together. Yes. Well, you know what? It worked. Yeah, they didn't win the title, but they came real close to doing it. Should've. And you know what? They should have. Mm-hmm. They should have knocked them off not once. They probably should have knocked them off twice. There's a very real world in which the Houston Rockets are sitting as back-to-back defending NBA champions right now. And that entire thing is based on the prospects of two ball dominant guards playing next to each other. This just happens to be a little bit more souped up than that. I, I don't think it's a problem. I don't I don't think that they care because I, I think that their whole mantra is let's get the ball in the hands of the guys who can do the most with it and let's do that over and over and over again. And until someone knows how to stop it, we're just going to keep doing it. The one thing that Houston
0: uh, has right now that uh – could be cause for concern because you know you're going to get a lot from James Arden and Russell Westbrook and the starters when you add in PJ and Clint Capella. Lowest bench scoring in the entire league, only 25 a game. No one else is uh, – well, Boston's pretty bad too, but uh, they're clearly lower than Boston at this yeah,
1: point. Yeah, the, the only thing will be, um, you know, once the playoffs arise because that's, it's a d- completely different brand of basketball. That might be an instance where those those two high usage percentages – could become a problem that could become problematic if they become if they become too formulaic and too predictable we've seen Houston struggle in the past James Harden for as amazing of a regular season player as he is does not have one single defining postseason moment what's their kryptonite
0: in the playoffs is it a really good defensive team is it the Clippers Lakers or is it a team that could keep up with them on both ends of the floor
1: I like to think it's a team that can keep up with them on both ends of the floor, right? I mean, we saw Utah was supposed to give them issues last year. Yeah. And they just, I mean, they Heismaned Utah like it was nobody's, right. nobody's business. Now, they have a little bit more firepower this year. I think for someone to stick with them, you have to have the horses to go, uh, you know, pound for pound when Harden gets it going like that. But I do think, right, everyone in the play, everyone knows what everyone runs. Yes. There's no surprises The scouting has been out. Um, You know, everyone knows exactly what play you're calling before you even play it. So it's about, (laughs) okay, what can we do with our third, third, fourth, and fifth read to beat you? That's one of the issues I think that could come back to haunt Houston. They're sort of once again, they're going to build up their entire season upon a house of cards. That is, what can we do with with James and Russ with the ball? We'll see if it'll be different. I, I'm skeptical about the playoffs, but the regular season, it's, they're going to be just fine. I'm not
0: worried about them at all. I, I think if their shooters shoot, they'll be fine if they find ways to knock down shots. If the playoffs started today, they would actually be playing the Phoenix Suns in the first round. How crazy is that? Sweep. Yeah. For Phoenix? For, for Houston. Oh, no, I was going to say. Now. I was going to say.
1: I mean, they're, I like, playing, they're playing well. I like my guy Aaron Baines, but not
0: that much. There's some Aussies out there shouting MVP at the uh, podcast right now. <laughs> Uh, let's move from a playoff team to a team that is looking forward to the lottery. Can I say It's this early in the season? Are they really looking Yeah, you can to say lo- they yeah. were looking forward to the lottery before the season before started. Before opening tip. Uh, Who are we talking about The lowly New York Knicks sitting at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. And what a weekend. What a range of emotions if you were a Knicks fan. On Friday leading into the weekend, they go out and beat the Dallas Mavericks in in dramatic fashion really sticking it to the former Nick Christophs Porzingis. And that win was on the road. Everything was hunky-dory. They come back to New York and lay an absolute egg. And they get beat by a Cleveland Cavaliers team. By the way, Cleveland's playing really good basketball. I don't want to disrespect Cleveland because they are are. playing good basketball. They just don't have the talent to produce the wins that they should have. But right now, if the playoffs started today, they would be in the playoffs. That being said, they should not lose to Cleveland by the amount that they lost to Cleveland and – Everybody wasn't happy around New York. Uh, the GM and general manager, uh, Steve Mills and Scott Perry, went and had an impromptu press conference, which rarely happens, something you don't want to do impromptu-wise after a loss like that. No. And kind of said, we're not happy.
1: It's 10 games in for this team. What's happening in New York? Uh, what, what's happening in New York is what everyone that was paying attention in the offseason thought would happen in New York. But it's 10 games in. Yeah, what are we doing they're, here? They're they're 2 and 8. They could easily be 0 and 10. They played they played well. I'm not going to say that they should have lost that Dallas game. They very easily could have lost that Dallas game. Sure. You know, Luka Doncic took a really bad ill-advised shot in a one possession game in the final 30 seconds. He's apologizing after it. Their only other win is against Chicago in a game that New York trailed by double digits in the fourth quarter. It's not that far-fetched to think that the Knicks should be 0-10. They but got blown out by Cleveland. They got blown out by 20 at Detroit. And they got blown out by 21 against the Sacramento team that looked completely lost yeah. five games into the year at 0-5. This Knicks team is an absolute travesty.
0: But they're, what it, what I'm saying here is, yes, they're 2-8, and, and they could be 0-10, but that's what we thought would be happening going into this. So what is the issue? I don't is think the they issue? thought that.
1: They didn't think that. Come on. No. So... You heard them come out. The last time that they had a press conference or or they released a statement, it was after the Nets signed Kyrie and KD. Sure. And it was after all these big targets. It's after Jimmy Butler decided that he'd rather be signed and traded to Miami. And all the big wheeling and dealing, whether it's Anthony Davis, whether it's Russell Westbrook, Kimball Walker, Al Horford, all these big names are going to everywhere except New York. And they right. came out and they said, look, we know our fans are disappointed, but we feel good about our team. We added a lot of solid veteran guys that are going to help our young kids grow now. We're going to play hard. We're going to compete. We are not going to be a pushover to anyone. That was the company line that the Knicks themselves were out here selling. This wasn't not at any point where the Knicks saying, you know what we're going to do? We're gonna put the ball in RJ's hands. We're gonna we're gonna play Kevin Knox. We're gonna play Mitchell Robinson. We're gonna build around all of our young guys. And you know what? It might be, it might be two or three years before we're competitive, but we're gonna follow that blueprint. No, they did the exact opposite. They went and signed Marcus Morris, they signed Bobby Portis. They right. signed Julius Randle. They signed Tosh Gibson. They have two point guards. Neither of them can shoot. And Frank Nilakina right. and Alfred Payton. Right. You know, I know that, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. is dealing with a with a a personal family tragedy. Yes. So he's he's been away from the team, Um, you know, but his absence certainly hasn't hurt. it. They have the 30th rank. They ranked dead last in offense in the entire league. If R.J. Barrett wasn't there sort of as this bright spot. I don't know what what the hell is going on in New York. It, but that's
0: the thing. I don't see what the issue is here because you knew coming into the season that the things were going to be bad. Well, we the knew. one thing I could say and the one thing I can hang my hat on is having watched too much Nick basketball to start this season is that the first five games, they were playing hard. The last five games, other than the Dallas win, they haven't played hard. They go down early or they get down in the second half, and you can clearly see them pack it in and say, all right, We're thinking about the next game. We're thinking about what we're doing later on tonight at the club. And I thought when Bobby Portis was signed, when Marcus Morris was signed, when Julius Randall was signed, and all these guys were signed, and everybody was like, why are you bringing in all these vets? I thought the plan was to help them compete by playing hard. They're not going to win games, but if you can at least play hard, you'll endear yourself to the
1: crowd. Everybody will be happy in New York. You might steal a couple games there, here, or there. That just hasn't Man, happened. Man, I'm sorry. If you're relying on on Bobby Portis to be the reason that you're playing come hard, come on, don't do that. It ain't going to happen. Don't do that. If you're relying on on Marcus Morris, who by the way was going to go play in San Antonio, had an agreement to go right. play with the Spurs and then chase the money to play with the Knicks right. on a short term deal, probably knowing he's not going <laughs> to be there for two years. The the one that blows my mind more than any of them is what's happening with Mitchell Robinson, who has missed the last couple of games with a concussion. But even prior to that, had only played twenty minutes in a game one time this season. Yeah, I don't know. This is a guy that that is a rookie. Was he almost led the league in block shots as a rookie? We were talking about him with uh, with him uh, down here in Charlotte last year, asking him about one of his goals, and he said, "I want to break the single season blocks record." Yeah. And, and thinking this is a guy who could do that. He's the, already maybe one of the three or four most dominant rim protectors in the league, and they're not even playing him? What are we doing? I, I don't know.
0: I have no idea. I thought this year was just about, you know, come out, compete player young guys they have been doing that with rj he's played almost damn near every minute is Is on the hot seat to you i mean fizzdale's got to be on the hot seat he has the 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 team is the worst in the league in terms of offensive rating as you mentioned the worst in the league in terms of field goal percentage the worst in the league in terms of free throw percentage in the league and it's not even it's like shack like percentages that they're putting up from the foul line and a lot of that is on rj in the clutch they're shooting 64 percent from the foul line
1: they ain't gonna do it at all. That's not gonna do it's, it. It actually,
0: when I, when I read that set, it actually shocked me that Dallas let them beat them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, come on, Dallas, what are we doing here at well, home? And the other, you know, the other tricky part of this, you know, they're gonna like that they beat Dallas. Obviously, a little twist in the knife with, with sure. Chris Tops, but. Man, the way Luka Doncic is playing, those two first-round picks that the Knicks got in that trade for for Porzingis uh, are not going to be pretty. They, they come in 2021 and 2020-23. Um, I don't know. It's not looking good for the Knicks right now. Not bro. looking good
0: at all. And here's what ha- the Knicks have this week. They have two games against the two teams they beat. They have the Bulls coming up on Tuesday, and then they have... The return of Kristaps Porzingis on Thursday, I believe that's a TNT game. Uh, Dallas coming to the Garden. There's going to be a lot of booze and a lot of energy. New York better show up, and I mean the Knicks. Sorry, they better show up because New York will show up to support them in that and game. How lucky are they
1: that Brooklyn's off to a slow start? I mean, oh, we man. we obviously know that Kevin Durant's not going to be a part of this, uh, you know, ecosystem in New York till next year. Mm-hmm. But you would. Man, they are lucky that Brooklyn isn't lighting the world on fire because if they were, that would be even more pressure on the Knicks uh, to stop under-delivering and, and shed whatever what on earth is going on there. I don't know. Let me leave this on a positive note for New York. Uh, as
0: we record right now, they are 2-8 worst team in the Eastern Conference, but as my man David Fizdale, who is on the hot seat, said, they are just two games out of a playoff spot for 8th seed in the East. Just two wins. They get those two wins this week. They're right back in the mix. Sure, I'm sure they'll be They're right back in the mix. All right, it's time to go to something we like to call D'Antoni's offense. Seven seconds or less. I'm going to throw some topics out at you, and you need to answer them in seven seconds or less. Let's start with a strange situation down in Miami. Deion Waiters, and he fell asleep on a plane. They couldn't wake him up. Turns out he had a gummy. Turns out it had stuff in it. And now Dion Waiters is not playing
1: basketball right now. Without speculating as to who he got it from or what's going on, <laughs> just know that this decision cost Deion Waiters $2 million. Wow. lost a $1.2 million bonus and his suspension cost him over 800000 in paychecks. I For hope it gummy. was worth it. For a gummy bear. One gummy bear. A $2 million gummy bear. It didn't say gummy bear. They said gummy, uh, right? Two, all right. Gummy. $2 million been. gummy. I wonder who gave it to him. Speculate. I'm not going there. All right. <laughs> Shit, on. Don't get fired on Monday.
0: <laughs> Anthony Davis is still dealing with shoulder pain. According to Dave McMenamin, uh, Anthony Davis said to him, and I quote, there's really never a play. I don't feel it. He's talking about that pain in that shoulder. Um, should the Lakers sit Anthony Davis down?
1: No, they can't. I, this is who he is. This is who he has been his entire career. And as great as the Lakers have looked, this is the single biggest concern with them entering the year. What happens if AD or LeBron miss time? Who knows? Maybe we'll find out. I say yes. You got to sit him down now so that you have them for the playoffs and the
0: playoff run, at least some low management here or there. Uh Tony Parker is getting his jersey retired in the most Spurs way possible. Nobody is talking about this other than people in France <laughs> and in San Antonio, but Tony Parker has been a Spurs great. He's going to be in the Naismith Hall of Fame at some point. What is your best Tony Parker memory?
1: It's not as, it's not in memory as much as it is just a general feeling of Tony Parker being perhaps the most underrated player of his entire generation. I think he's viewed as sort of a, a third wheel on a championship team, which yeah. is certainly true. Did you know that in back-to-back years he finished fifth and then sixth in MVP voting. I was I was gonna say he he he's had Fifth some years sixth. where he was the best point guard in the league. Did you know Reggie Miller never finished in the top <laughs> ten in MVP <laughs> voting?
0: I was waiting for it. I knew there was going to be some red. Four Slander. top tens for Tony Parker, zero for Reggie Miller. And he finals MVP to boot. I don't think people remember that finals MVP because it came so long ago and in probably one of the most boring finals we've seen. Tim Duncan like, should have won it, but that's fine. That year, really? Yeah, he's better. Tony Parker was kicking Booby. Like he, was he was roasting Booby Gibson. He didn't want no Booby Gibson. All-star all uh, Mo Williams and Juan. And I'm, not
1: gonna, I'm not going to besmirch <laughs> Tony Parker's resume the
0: week he gets his jersey retired. Uh, you but it should to, have been Timmy. Should, no, don't do that to Timmy. Congratulations to Tony. Mel C. Tony down in San Antonio. Uh, November 11th uh, is Remembrance Day in Canada and Veterans Day in the States. Uh, but it's also the anniversary Shaq made his debut in the NBA. Shaq, of course, came out uh with you know a lot of buzz number one pick overall went to orlando went to lsu what's your first shack memory because when he came onto the scene i remember as a kid like there was things there were shack toys there were shack shoes what's your first shack memory
1: the shoes i had yeah. the shoes and the the logo of him hanging on the hanging yeah. on the rim on the side i'll also never forget shack running in orlando and being amazed that a do- a guy that big could run that hard yeah, and that fast.
0: Yeah, I remember him at the McDonald's All American game. That's what I remember Shaq before he even got to the league, and that was uh, that's crazy. That, to think that that was so long ago. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon has three thousand blocks, or more than three thousand blocks in his uh, in his NBA career. He's uh, what's what's the exact number there? Uh, he's, he's just over 3,800. He's the all-time block leader. I'm giving him less than 800 on his block career. I am apologize, Dream. Um, but he's the all-time leader in blocks. Do you think anyone catches him? No chance. He gets an
1: unbreakable record. Who's close? The, uh, the league leaders each of the last couple of years have been around two and a half blocks. It used to be around four a game. Yeah. Uh, just guys aren't shooting. It, it's a different game now. Guys don't block as many shots. It's an unbreakable record. Who's closest to him?
0: Who has a chance to kind of – if just off the top of your head, who would you who would you put in? Because I'm thinking Anthony Davis is doing a good job right if, now. If the
1: Knicks will play Mitchell Robinson more than 18 <laughs> minutes a game, it'd be
0: Mitchell Robinson. What are we doing? And while you look that up, I'll ask you this. Do you ever think that the league will go back to what it was when we were young where – Three-pointers weren't as prominent as they are now, and there was a lot of slugging basketball, a lot of body punches, a no. lot of paint play. The, Never?
1: the only way I could see something similar to that happening is if they just move the three-point line back, mm-hmm. which, which is uh, possible. they probably should and will at some point. But even then, like guys are going to adjust. Like It's not that long ago that Stephen Curry was shooting 30 footers and everyone was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anyone do this. Four years later, Trey Young is now making more than Steph ever made. Yeah. I we, mean, saw, that's, we,
0: we saw Fred Van Vliet walk into yeah. one the, Just <laughs> the ste- other day.
1: Casually stepping into the <laughs> 31st. No, it's it's an entirely yeah. different game now. Um, it's, it's, it's not going to change.
0: Fair enough. I'll let you look that up while I give you this.
1: Kemba Walker scored 60 points
0: last season. Uh, career high for him in a loss against the Philadelphia 76ers. It's the anniversary of that game. I was in the building that night. That is... First of all, the so most points I've ever seen someone score, yep. the energy in that arena. And Spectrum Center, let's be clear, it is not a rocking building. No disrespect to the Spectrum Center, but they know it there. When you go there, you're normally cheering for the f- opposing team, the visitors. Mm-hmm. A lot of Sixers fans there, but there were a lot of people there that were just cheering Kemba's
1: performance. He scores 60, and they still lose. Do you, do you know what the NBA record is for the most points ever in a loss? It's I not Kemba. It's not Kemba.
0: Okay. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to guess Melo has it.
1: It is not Melo. Great guess though. Great guess. The record Wilt scored seventy eight in a loss. There's been three other seventy point games in Okay. This. David Thompson dropped seventy three. That was what, a day that was a day where he had to try that was the scoring, you, you that you to scoring away. The, the race for the scoring title. Right. Uh Wilt had another seventy two game. And then, and then most recently Devin Booker a couple years ago in, in Boston. Right. Dropped okay. seventy and, you know, Got into a little well, bit of a war of words with the Celtics after. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he took a couple that. shots. In all, 16 players have scored more in a loss than Kimba did in that game. 16 in the 16. NBA history?
0: How many, Where's Melo on that list? I know he's on there somewhere. He, ha, he had to have had like a, a Knicks,
1: great Nick game or something like that. All right, so Carmelo, the most he has ever scored in a loss is 50. He dropped 62 in a win over Charlotte. He has two other 50-point games, both wins, and then one more 50-point loss. Outside of the top 100, actually, for the highest point performances in a loss. I need to put more respect on my man, Melo's
0: name. Why, why do you Why do you hate Carmelo Anthony? I love Carmelo Anthony. I just wanted to say his name on the podcast, and I will find a way to bring Melo up. The Every single podcast I'm on, it doesn't matter if I'm with you or Scott Rafferty or Jim McGregor or Kyle Irving, I'm going to find a way
1: to sneak Melo's name in there because he has to stay relevant to get signed at the end of the year. All right, so— I want to bring it real quick back to uh, to your boy Hakeem, the active guys closest. Only the only guy even halfway there is Dwight Howard, who has two thousand and sixty six. Unless he just has eighteen hundred more blocks, and then and then after that it's Powell, and then Serge Ibaka. DeAndre Jordan is the next uh, closest. He's basically a a third of the way there. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, there's, there's nobody even – there's nobody I'm scrolling through here. There, there's nobody even remotely in the vicinity. Come of on, Mo Bamba. Come on, Mo Bamba. You Come on, Mitchell Roddick. Come on, Dave Fizdale. Yeah, Mo Bamba's got
0: to do something. He's got to stay healthy and get at that. You know, he's, he should be up there, right? Mo is supposed to be the second coming of a Dikembe Don't do that to Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> Last but not least, a 96-year-old World War II vet- veteran uh, played the national anthem on a harmonica before the Knicks – game uh, against the Cavs on the weekend Um, pretty memorable pretty cool scene what's your favorite national anthem of all time
1: there's only one correct answer here is Whitney Houston Uh, well okay there's only one (laughs) correct answer for an entirely different reason Uh, Whitney Houston is the best (laughs) ever go ahead okay but before Fergie how about Carl Lewis the 1993 all-star Game. yes I forgot about Carl Michael Jordan is about to fall over <laughs> and collapse laughing hysterically. <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, do yourself a favor. When you're done listening to this podcast, go to YouTube, search 1993 All Star Game, <laughs> Carl Lewis, and just sit back and enjoy. Who sings it this year in Chicago?
0: No, I'm, I'm asking who. Who do you, you want to see? Oh, who who do I yeah, want to see, or see. who's <laughs> doing it? I, I don't think they would they would chose that now. No, it's too it way too early for that. Beyonce give
1: me Beyonce too easy yeah yeah well, I'm not a music guy she, Houston Dude, she was from Houston I got a two year old all I do is listen to Baby <laughs> Shark <laughs> yeah fair
0: enough well who's the creator of Baby Shark maybe they'll sing the national anthem I should know
1: that, and I, I'm i sorry to say I don't. <laughs> Baby Shark has a this crazy is, amount of views this on is YouTube. Spiraling out of control. It is. Right, we're going to close
0: it too. But Baby Shark has a crazy amount of views on YouTube. It's like it's in millions upon millions upon billions. millions. Billions. Upon... Yeah, I don't. I, I don't I've I never seen it. My household
1: is probably responsible for
0: <laughs> two million of them. <laughs> uh, on the Baby Shark note, we will get out of here. Uh, and and uh, before we do we we'll remind you to go to NBA.com. We have a ton of stuff coming up this week. And we'll remind you as well, Tony Parker is getting his jersey retired. So there will be coverage of that, even though you haven't heard about that. It's happening. It's a real thing. They're going to put his number nine up in the rafters. No one else will wear it. Shout out to Tony Parker on the great career he's had. Uh, it's such a Spurs thing to do this really in the middle of the night where no one's paying attention. Not even a national TV game. That's how they do it, man. It's really how they do it. For Micah Adams, I'm Carlin Gay. We will see you at the end of the week for more NBA sounds.